Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the Internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. It is Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. I'm your host, as he said, Scott Fullerton. I hope you're all having a fantastic day out there in podcast land. It's been pretty nice here, a little warm in Northeast Ohio. I'm liking it. Welcome to the show, guys. I have a jam-packed show for you tonight. We're going to be talking to about five different people, so we're going to jump into it here in just a couple seconds. If you missed last night's show, it was a great music Monday. I had two fantastic interviews, one with Spencer Day. If you haven't heard Spencer's music, jazz, pop, kind of not even a fusion, but just a really cool sound, and he was a great interview out in San Diego. So go back and listen to that. And along with that was Stuart Taylor, who's more of an R&B pop um, kind of vibe. And both had great, interesting stories to tell. And we started everything off with our newest segment, uh, Musical Minute, by Jay Knight was last night. We're alternating it every other week with Jay Knight, who does more indie kind of rock style, and Zach Day, who's on The Voice and does little more pop sounding. So last night was Jay's first night on. He spotlighted independent artists and gave some pro tips on if you're looking uh, to be an independent singer-songwriter. So be sure to check that out. It's all on your favorite podcast distributors. You can go to iHeartRadio or Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts and iTunes, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all those things. Be sure to check that out. But tonight... We have a great lineup for you. I have a great lineup for you tonight. In just a couple of seconds, we're going to do our first West Hollywood Minute with Enoch Miller, also known as the Empress of WeHo, who has his own show out there in West Hollywood. He's going to tell us what's going on in Southern California as far as is concerned and what's going on there. And after that, we're going to have a live interview with John Hill. John is an amazing actor. He's also a singer and is a producer for television and the host of a couple of shows on Radio Andy on Sirius XM. He is the co-host with Andy Cohen Live, and he has uh, his own hosting for his own show. So it's a, it's a great com- combination, and we're going to talk to him all about it. His is called The Feels. Then after John, I have two great pre-taped interviews for you. Ronaldo Pacheco, amazing actor. He was in Crisis. Our our brand is Crisis with Sandra Bullock. 
Um, amazing movie. He's a great actor. He's giving back with free acting lessons in this academy he founded. So we're going to talk about that. And then if you're looking for a place to go this summer, the Park Ridge Lodge in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, is opening up this Memorial Day weekend. When I talked to them the other day, owners Dave and Terry had two rooms left. You might want to check it out if you're in that area or taking a drive. It's an amazing four-room lodge right at the base of the Smoky Mountain Range there, uh, real close to Dollywood, nice downtown. And we had a fantastic chat, so I want you to be able to hear their story and how their lodge came to be. So that'll be up at the end here. Three great interviews for you today. We're going to jump right into it, though, with our good buddy Enoch Miller giving us a West Hollywood Minute. Let's welcome to the show Mr. Enoch Miller. I'll be back with John Hill in just a little bit. All righty, guys and gals, it is time for our very first Hollywood Minute with our special correspondent, Enoch Miller, otherwise known as the Empress of WeHo. Enoch, how we doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, my dear? I am amazing. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Left of Straight family, being our official West Coast correspondent with all the tea. Thanks for calling in. Well, thanks for having me. It's so exciting to talk to you, and uh, thank you so much for the invitation to do this. Um, I always love giving people the sitch as to what we're doing here on the West Side. There you go. I love it. Well, I'm so excited. Why don't you let me know what some of the top stories you got on your radar right now? So there's going to be some just different things that are kind of going around town. Um, I'm going to switch back and forth between kind of the the overall area of California to some local stuff and some things just kind of happening in and around uh, our community hood. So uh, first off, a lot of people probably have seen different things coming out from um, the different governors in each state as to reopening dates. Um, I know you had mentioned you guys are going to be opening almost everything up fairly soon for you guys. However, for California, (laughs) We are still going to be pushed back to July now on our open date, roughly around probably July 19th, according to our governor. However, that is a a tentative number due to the fact that as increasing cases come to light for California, um, he is going to be keeping a close eye on that with our Department of uh, Public Health to see when California might open. So if you are planning to come to the California area, um, and even our neighboring states, a lot of them are um, going to be pretty much closer towards like a June, July state open date. So just keep an eye on that. Um, I particularly just follow Governor Newsom's uh, feed on social media because he posts things now on the daily to keep people apprised about what's happening with COVID. But um, a good suggestion for anyone wanting to know what's happening in their community check out your local Department of Public Health and follow their uh, information um, or any local information the cities are putting out because it is a great way to stay informed about the different things that will be affecting you and your surrounding area. Um, A local thing for here in West Hollywood, um, there has been a kind of a scandal that's been going on for a few years now. Uh, A gentleman named Ed Buck, for anyone who doesn't know him, he is um, I was a big supporter of different politicians, and um, he was kind of a lobbyist, uh, rich gentleman that lived here in the community and unfortunately was involved in illicit drug use with uh, 
African-American men, um, which would actually lead to, has led to two deaths in his apartment. And the third one, luckily the gentleman survived um, and was able to testify against Ed Buck. So the hot gossip going on right now is that his apartment, where all this, uh, these different things were going on and happening, um, is actually on the market now, and kind of a lot of buzz mm. around that. Of kind of, it's like kind of almost like a haunted spot now. But um, a lot of really kind of awful things happened in that apartment. However, kind of interesting to see it, maybe a new life come into it and take care of. Uh, uh, the place, give it a, a, a new name instead of the, the horrors that went on before that. But um, anyone can check that out. It's, for people that don't know, Los Angeles is a very expensive place to live in. Um, so a two-bedroom apartment there is going for 3150 So if you have $3,150, you could own this apartment <laughs> today, um, which, yeah, not fun at all. Another fun thing, no. this is, I think, if anyone who has been paying attention to American Idol um, just saw recently that uh, Just Sam was crowned the American Idol winner um, just recently, um, and she has actually been staying here in uh, West Hollywood, and so uh, she has been here for the filming with, um, with uh, the American Idol team um, and has not chosen to go. She is originally from Harlem, uh, New York and has chosen to stay here due to the fact of not wanting to um, potentially get infected and pass it on to, um, she lives with her elderly grandmother um, and does not want to pass on anything to her to uh, protect her grandmother, but she is staying here and was here in West Hollywood when they announced her win of American Idol. Uh, so our congratulations go out to her. Um, she's an amazing artist. Um, if you have seen some of her stuff, it was a really interesting show because it was all done remotely from everyone's home or patio or wherever they were stationed. So um, people are getting very creative and especially with television on uh, doing the social distancing and on TV and stuff. So it's been, it was a very interesting show to watch. And again, uh, congratulations to just Sam on her win. Um, looking forward to her new music coming up uh, here very soon. And then yeah, she was a uh, guest actually so, this past Saturday on our buddy David oh, Hernandez's show that he does his quarantine awesome. show. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, David's great. He's uh, also an American Idol finalist and uh, really, really sweet guy. See him around all the time. Super talented. And yeah, he, he's always doing lots of fun stuff. So always go check out David Hernandez if you can. Um, I think it's just like D Hernandez music or something like that on, on social. But uh but, yeah, David's a lot of fun. And, yeah, go check out that interview. I bet it's an amazing interview. He, he always gets some really good people in the, the music industry around to chat. Next scene, um, wedding bells are now ringing in Los Angeles County because they are reopening and issuing marriage licenses once again here in Los Angeles. Um, the governor allowed the county clerks in California to begin using marriage license video conferencing. So you will be video conferencing and setting up a schedule with an officer to receive those. Um, there's some details about the requirements to which you need to have. One person needs to be a resident of Los Angeles County, government-issued IDs for both people, and then obviously local uh, Wi-Fi and Internet connections, and you both have to be in the same spot to, uh, to get that stuff with the officer. They're setting up appointments now and will work on details with that as uh, availability arises, but 
currently they are um, setting up appointments. So for anyone who's put their wedding licenses on hold, um, those are now being available for people to go get that. So we're excited to um, to announce that. I know a lot of people, they've been waiting for that. On more of a somber note, uh, veteran Scarface actor Gino Silva passed away May 9th due to uh, complications of frontotemporal degeneration, oh, FTD. And uh, it's a, an unfortunate form of dementia. Um, and obviously we are very close to a lot of Hollywood celebrities and stars, um, past and present. And so our hearts go out to his family. Um, but uh, I know he lived a very uh, well and full life. And we are, uh, again, just grateful that it was in the comfort of his own home, around family, and um, right. again, our hearts reach out to them for their loss. But uh, I, again, I'm glad it's not like a COVID death, thank God. And uh, finally, um, a little uh, making an interesting light of a, a negative situation that is coronavirus. The Los Angeles Natural History Museum wants to hear your pandemic story. Um, the museum is seeking to document the personal experiences of uh, Southern Californians during this time of COVID-19. Um, you can visit uh, the Natural History Museum's website. Their section called Your Story Matters to learn more about this um, important but look to the future project. And I think it's really cool that, um, especially something that has really affected the course of the history in not just the United States but in the world, um, I really think it's an, a, a great way that the history is capturing these stories, firsthand accounts. And really making sure to uh, to cherish those stories, whether they're good or bad, um, and make sure that future generations understand how impactful this this time in our lives have been. And um, for any of these sources and stories, you guys can always go and check out wehoville.com and nbclosangeles.com, um, which is typically where I found a lot of my local information for local news. Um, here in the Southern California area, and also they do local and state as well as national and international coverage for different things. But that is everything for me today. Uh, did you have any questions, my dear, as to things you've heard about the West Side? No, those are amazing. I'm just waiting for me to be out there in about seven weeks so we can tour the West Side me together. Too. You have to show me your haunts. Yay. Oh, my God. If any of them are open, you and I are painting this town gayer. <laughs> That's what I'm screaming, my friend. Well, before you go, be sure to let everyone know where they can find you. Give them your social and where they can find your amazing videos for your interviews. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, if anyone wants to follow me, you can follow me at Empress of WeHo across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, we try to do things weekly uh, via social distancing. Um, interviews to just keep everyone apprised about what your favorite influencers, celebrities, and other people in the queer community for Southern California and Los Angeles. Um, you can check that out at, at Empress of Los, or Empress of WeHo, and you can always follow us through there. So thank you so much for speaking with me, my dear. It's always good talking to you. You are the best, Empress. Thank you so much for being our special correspondent on the West Coast. We'll hear more from Enoch in two weeks. All right, guys, that is a West Hollywood Minute with the Empress of WeHo himself, Mr. Enoch Miller. Thanks, Enoch. Thank you, my dear. Bye.
Maybe too soon to say, but it ain't like it don't show. My eyes will tell you everything you already know. I wanna state the obvious, but you and I say, hey, let's take it slow. Let's take it slow. And yet it doesn't need to be heard. How I love how we're hanging on.
Well, dude, I first I want to just give you a hug because this Corona thing has not been great for you. You've been kind of cooped up at home and not oh. being able to leave. LA's had the worst of it. Uh, you lost a puppy, a shared puppy. You've had bicycle woes. I know you're a huge Eurovision fan, and that's kind of out the window. I just want to give you a hug, dude. How you doing? Oh, my gosh. Well, um, I'm accepting your hug virtually. Thank you. Um, wow. Um, I'm okay. I didn't realize. Um, okay, I guess I did. I guess I did talk about the dog last week on the show. Um, on my show this past week. Um, I I wasn't really talking about it because you know, like people who post on online when they lose a pet, you know, they 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 go online and they you know they, they post they post the thing and they post pictures from when it was a puppy and you know all these different memories and, and I just felt like. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I didn't want to, uh, I, I just couldn't really, you know, I, I, I could relive it, it so you know? many times with each comment too. That's and, tough. Exactly. And like, and people, you know, giving their condolences and stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to keep it to myself for a sec. Um, and then I noticed that, you know, it was like, I was like in deep grief, you know, for like two weeks, you know, you really go exactly. through it. And, I was I so I, I told people on the radio I was like listen like just FYI like I've been like a downer lately because you know this has been happening but it was it was horrible it was the worst experience ever um, I don't, you know I don't know if you lost the pet but it was, it was absolutely is the worst thing I've ever been through in my life I mean it's you know I'm not exaggerating it was like wailing I felt like a you know as it's a you know wailing wall just like screaming horrible right. so there was that. Um, and yeah, Corona, um, as I cough, Corona, uh, I was, I was in New York. I did a show at 54 below on the 11th of March. And then the next day I left, came back to LA. And then that was the day that things kind of like right around the, like those few days, like March 11th ish, um, right. isn't, you know, things kind of started to lock down. So I had returned to LA and, um, and Andy had tested positive, like he, like right, right after I got back, a couple of days. We had, we had had a friend, um, who had it, and I was like, wow, that's so crazy, that's nuts. Um, and then, and then Andy had, had tested positive, and I was like, well, I've just been with you for, you know, we've done two shows. <laughs> right. Shared microphones, been, you know, like all for, like all that that whole. Uh, the 11th, that Wednesday, you know, we had, like, shared microphones. We had, you know, been together all day. Um, plus, I was staying in Times Square. I was staying in a hotel. Um, I was, you know, performing in a room of people. And someone from that audience started some Facebook group about, like, um, I have corona. So, like, I went and got tested. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been, like, super exposed. You know, right. and then I ended up being, I, I ended up being like asymptomatic, you know, I, I was, I didn't have it. Um, I was one of the lucky people who, who, who kind of got over it uh, pretty quickly, right. but uh, I just lost the, well, my good. sense of smell and taste. That was it. But I never had taste to begin with. That's my little joke about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. Well, I'm glad you, uh, I, I did follow your story and I'm glad that you never, had any serious symptoms like that. And of course we're glad Andy recovered and I'm glad 
that uh, you got another bicycle, but I am sorry about the puppy. I know that's very hard. And we're kind of depressed about other things. They have all those other feelings. I understand you're not sharing it. I just wanted to express a little sympathy with my virtual hug. Uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, like, it's not like I'm not, like, it's not like I'm not not talking. Like, I just hadn't, um, I meant, like, social media-wise, like, I hadn't. Right, right. Post, like done a post, you know, like when he was alive, for example, I was like, if he ever passes away, I'm going to like get his face tattooed on my body. You know, like I was so like, <laughs> and, and then I was like, I, you know, now that he's gone, I just, you know, that's just going to be that, you know, I, he, it was, it, we, we grieved his loss and that, and that was it. But he was, I was obsessed with that dog, man. I was, I was such yeah. a, like, yeah. But to be clear, I have two dogs. I, I, I was still have say, one you, dog. <laughs> exactly. You do have you do have a proud puppy still, so that's good. That's always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So very, I'm very completely cool. dogless. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is your first one. time on the show, so I always like to get a little bit of background, John. Let my listeners know if they haven't been following like I have. Where did you grow up? What kind of a kid were you? And what did you first want to be when you grew up? Oh, my God. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Um, what kind of kid was I? I was really quiet. I was an introvert. But I was... Uh, like an extra... A closeted extrovert. You know what I mean? Um, and I think I was <laughs> right. a, a, kind of like... A, Kind of like a lot of performers, you know, like I, I was just kind of quietly taking it in. Um, and I mean, like, you know, like seven, eight, I was pretty quiet. And then once I found theater and performing and stuff like that, um, I started to become really uh, obnoxious. I was a really obnoxious, <laughs> I think, kid. Um, and... I wanted to be a movie star. I wanted to grow up and move to, um, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I wanted to like move to wherever they made movies, you know, and, um, and make movies. That's what I wanted to, that's what I wanted to do. I wasn't a big, um, Broadway fan at the, at the beginning. Um, right. that's the minute I didn't, I didn't really, um, get a whole lot cause we didn't have a lot of theater, in Texas or, or in San Antonio, at least, um, which we did, but but not like, you know, we went to the movies all the time. So that was kind right. of like, you know, what I wanted to do. But I was, um, yeah, I was, I was a funny kid. I was I was always kind of, uh, you know, making my family laugh and just kind of being a, a cut up. And I was a, a major uh, kind of clutch. I was always kind of getting into <laughs> situations, uh, like embarrassing situations uh, that entertained my family but caused me great trauma. <laughs> oh goodness! Yeah, in a fun way. I don't. I mean, I was. Yeah, that's the kind of kid I was. I was. I was into theater, and uh, you know, I was. I, I always wanted to to perform. I always wanted to around entertainment. That's what I always wanted to do. Well, mission accomplished, sir. Mission accomplished. Talk about, I, 
I don't want to hear people's coming out stories, but I do like to know when did you first come out to yourself and where did you find your first tribe? Where were you first um, feel like you were part of the LGBTQ community? Hmm. Um, very early, super, super, super early. I always knew I lucked out. Um, I grew up in a really strict Christian environment uh, in South Texas and um, but I always knew, I always, I always knew I was doing theater, like community theater. And so I kind of had, um, in a way some, you know, like really good role models. I, you know, like some, you know, like gay adults who just were kind of in the community of, you know, you know, there were like doctors and lawyers and teachers mm. who were in shows with me, who my mom would then encounter and me and you know, I think I think it became um you know, for us it was you know, as far as religion still, you know, kind of not that it was that wasn't okay, but it was like, oh, these people are out to like molest everyone. So um <laughs> that was I so I always kind of knew. I was always like, Oh, you know, like my I, I, I knew from the minute I was like I don't know, I guess I mean, yeah, when I hit puberty, I, I knew. Um, and then my tribe, my tribe in, the, in, in high school was theater. And as far as, um, as, far as the uh, LGBTQ community, that was a tough one a little bit because, you know, I went to a college that was also like a, a really, um, it was a private Christian college. So, there was no gay community. There was no like gay straight alliance. There was no mm, gotcha. um, tribe there. So, so I kind of made my own. Um, but going back to high school, we, I, I did go to, to a really big high school in Texas that was at the time, you know, I'm 42. So like this was the 90, like, you know, mid late nineties. And, you know, we had a trans person in our class who was out we had a couple of other gay people who were out and it was not a big deal. People were not being like hate crimed. Um, there was just kind of this great um, moment in history in time in that, in that area in South Texas where it just was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's them. That's what they're doing. And, and, um, it, I don't know. It, I I felt I, I felt safe. I never felt like I was going to get beat up for being gay. I never felt. Um, That's yeah, awesome. I, I yeah. Was, I was, yeah, yeah. I felt pretty good, and I and I was also out. So I guess I should say that. Like I did come out to a couple of friends in high school when I was um, a sophomore. Um, I came out to a couple of friends, uh, which is really. Um, unpredictable I think for most people who grew up in conservative Texas and then I bet yeah <laughs> I went to college, came to college in LA and then once once I I, I left I left school because I booked a Broadway gig in Miss Saigon and when I joined the tour of Miss Saigon then obviously I was in a big huge gay tribe right right <laughs> welcome to theater I love it well, and talk yeah. about theater a bit. I mean, you did the Miss Saigon right out of, and you went to Pepperdine, right? In, in uh, Malibu there? Yeah. 
Yeah. I love that game. Yeah, it did. I'm old. So I remember yeah, when they used to battle old. the network stars on Pepperdine once upon a time. I oh, love that campus. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was fun. Andy always talks about that. Yeah, that's um that's everyone a lot of people's point of reference for that campus. Um is that of the network stars, which I feel like they should they should revamp that. It would be fun. It would be fun, especially in today's times we need something to laugh at and see a bunch of celebrities try to go through a tug of war through mud is kind of fun stuff. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um so um, we so go yeah, from this icon. Yeah, there you go. I like it. We'll have co producing credits and it'll be all good. Talk about okay. I wanna go kind of hairspray adjacent because it is one of my favorite musicals and okay. uh, my 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 little cousin was Link and I know you understudy went on as Link. Uh but talk about some of just the the outside of it. Um Mark Shaman, you were supposed to have that Studio fifty four, you're supposed to go back with him. And um, with uh, yes. oh God, what's her name? But you were, uh, I, thank you very Kathy much, Kathy. Kathy. I can't yeah. remember the name. But you were supposed to go back. So obviously, you and Mark have stayed good friends. Uh, he is one of the greatest Twitter guys on the planet. I love his feed because he tells it like it is, and it's really fun. But talk about yeah, that he, show for really a second fun. that you were supposed to. How is how has that friendship evolved over the years? Obviously, you're still in touch and friends. Talk about the friendships you made while on that show. Um, well, I was saying the other day, like, you know, we we had just done this um, actors fund. You can't stop the beat. Uh, uh, Harrisburg reunion. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, like this actress fund. I did. Uh, I couldn't Harrisburg find reunion. it. But I listened to your show the other day, and I yeah. figured out kind of you were there somewhere. I still haven't found you yet. It's I, kind of like a Where's Waldo, but I did love it's that. Totally movie. fine. I'm wearing glasses. I'm holding my dog. I have a blue shirt on. Um, bottom left. But, uh, then you were bottom left. I remember now. I know a puppy. It, there was well, a puppy at bottom bo- left. Bottom. Right, if but like camera right, stage left, okay, camera right, sort of. But maybe right, they there you go. Okay. a couple of times. Um, they um, somebody's like, "Are you upset that you weren't invited to do that?" And I was like, "I am in it, first of all." Um, <laughs> but the thing about hairspray is that 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 family never goes away. That that family will always be. Uh, we'll always be together. It, there was something about that show that, you know, brought us all together. No, no matter what, we'll always be family. Um, I don't know if it was Mark and Scott. It was the timing. I don't know if it was John Waters. I don't know if it was Harvey. But it just seemed like <clears throat> it meant it. a lot of people needed that show, not not just speaking of the audience who needed that show, you know, and us as a whole in the world who needed that show at the time, but the you know the people who made the show, you know, um, right. Mark and Scott really wanted, you know, they really wanted, you know, a, a big Broadway show. They wanted to like make a show. Jerry Mitchell, you know, wanted, you know, really kind of wanted to like make his mark, and that was and that was it. Um, Margot Lyon, you know, God rest her soul. Um, and also, like, uh, you know, Jack, o- well, Jack O'Brien was a famous director. But then, you know, there's, like, 
you know, Harvey had kind of, you know, he had a big career boost from, from Hairspray as well. You know, there, so right. I don't know. It just seemed like the right time. But, like, we, we all just really banded together. There are a lot of people, you know, Shoshana Bean, I was just t- talking about her the other day to my friends. You know, she, she and I were talking because I was telling her that, you know, my dog had passed away and she knew my dog and blah, blah, blah. And we were, right. you know, she had just raised, like, her dog had just given birth to some puppies. Anyway, so um, we all just, yeah, we all stayed close. So the show that we were supposed to do, Mark and I were supposed to do, was going to be just a show. I do, I do a solo show <clears throat> that I've done since 2004. Um, and it's uh, kind of ridiculous. It's like a you know a send up of cabaret, uh, you know, like um, a, a, a people who do one one person shows. Um, when I was when I was in the show, when I was in Hairspray, all these I was noticing that all these you know like chorus guys and chorus girls were doing shows so that they could be seen by agents, um, <laughs> right. so that they could so that they could be seen. For, for bigger roles and not just chorus roles. And I thought it was really funny because these shows would be really um, earnest and, um, and, and, and just kind of like, I don't know. I just found it very, very funny. So I did kind of like a fake, like, you know, if, if I were to do a show, you know, like we kind of like did like this mock show. So we've been doing it for a while and um, Mark and I have a ton of stories. I lived at his, I lived at his house in LA uh, when I first moved back to LA, um, we have a lot of like, like uh, I was going to say shenanigans, which is kind of a dumb word. <laughs> we have a lot of like kind of, know. you know, we have a lot of um, funny stories between the two of us. And I think in that particular show, we were going to, he was going to underscore this story that we have about he, myself, and Jennifer Lewis about his 60th birthday party, which kind of went, turned into a mess. We had this, like, act oh, no. we were going to do. Um, <laughs> and we were, and we were going to tell the story through, you know, just that was going to be kind of like part of the show. And then the second half was going to be Kathy and Jimmy and I. She, I, do, I do another part in my show now where she is a part of she's a part of the story that I tell and so I was going to you know and she's usually not there because I do it in LA and she lives in New York and um, so we were going to do a version where she was in you know she's on stage with me while I do this story so then Corona hit and then we had to cancel that show although they didn't cancel it immediately and they and for for that matter, I, I thought they were going to cancel the first show. They I was on my way okay. to I I was on my way to the airport and I guess to do the show, the March 11th show. And I was like, oh, they're calling, they're calling to cancel, they're calling to cancel. <laughs> and they, and right. they were like, oh no, we have a question about like a, a legal question. And I was like, how can you like like we're, they're they're putting people on lockdown. Um, Anyway, so people still came, people still showed up, and then we all got corona. Yeah, New York was know. very weird at that time. It was closing very haphazard. I mean, 
I had Drew Drogi on the show, and his show was extended, and then it stopped Yay. last second. And my buddy Stan yeah. Zimmerman was helping a uh, show with Nathan Lee Graham, and that kind of got through two previews and had to stop. And it was just—it's just weird. It got weird there very fast. Yeah, I understand that completely. It got super weird. Yeah. All right, let's go into some other stuff because we're going to run out of time, and I have two pages of notes on you because I'm a huge fan. So let's see what I want to jump to next. Thanks for being a fan. Okay. What's that? Thanks for saying you're a fan. That's so nice of you. Sure. Whatever you got. Whatever you got. No problem. No problem. All right, well, let's jump into – I want to talk about Bear a little bit because you were in the uh, pop opera part of it before it became Bears the Musical, quote-unquote. about that role. It's been some great people attached to the entire project. I mean, Matt Doyle was on the album. Um, Jason uh, was played by Jonah Platt in the L.A. version. So you have, then you have Taylor Trench. So you have Evan Hansen connections. It was kind of weird connections everywhere. But talk about that project for a second. Um. Gosh, wait. So it, it became Bear the Musical after that. I didn't know that. Right. I, it, yeah, they I, changed that's, the name. Yeah, that, that's. Oh, um. Well, Bear is interesting because my first boyfriend ever when I was in college, I was a freshman at Pepperdine. My first boyfriend did the uh, the first reading ever of Bear, <laughs> which was at UCLA. Um, and he played the role of Jason. And I remember him, he came home. He's like, I'm going to do this reading. And I was like, that, and he played me like a cassette. Um, and I was like, that sucks. I hate, I hate that. That is like the worst. Um, and I, I, and then, so I knew of the show for a long time, since literally the first reading. And then, you know, went to New York, did a bunch of shows. And then <clears throat> Clemens, uh, Ryan Mullis, the Dave Clemens casting, you know, called and was like, hey, <clears throat> do you want to, like, take a look at this? You know, they're bringing this show to New York. It was a big hit in L.A. Like, sure. Um, and I was like, oh, wait, I know this. I know this show. Like, my, I've known this show forever. I'm like, this show sucks. I hate it. And um, he was like, no, no, they fixed it. <clears throat> they fixed it. Because there there was a really bad song in it at one point. There were like a couple of like really weird songs, um, okay. <clears throat> especially from Jason's from Jason's character. Um, and I was like, uh, I, I listened and I was like, and, and I fell in love with it. I was like, this would be like the biggest, you know, deal for me as an actor to connect to because there's a lot of the themes that I've grown up with, um, and. I loved, and I love the part, and I love the energy that surrounded the show, um, the 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 energy that was coming from LA, you know, you know that they were coming, you know, to New York to do the show, and there was all this energy coming from these young people who were making this show, like you know, Kristen and Damon and John and the people that had created the show, and, you know, made it in LA. Anyway, right. Um. I auditioned and and I I auditioned with Michael Arden, Natalie Joy Johnson, you know they were and I could I could tell that they were kind of pairing people up, you know, as they do in auditions. 
And it, and I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, I get it. Um, and I remember, I remember Michael did something in the audition. Um, that we, you know, we kind of had to be flirty, you know. And and I remember, I remember, <clears throat> we connected at, 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 in a moment, and I was like, oh, this is going to be the two of us. Like we're gonna, this is going to be us. Um, I remember thinking that in the room at the time. Um, and then I remember they were pairing us up with, you know, and, and then so it's kind of like Michael, myself, and then Natalie and I looked like we could be fraternal twins at the time. Um, and so then they had, so they had kind of like, you know how they do, they have like, you know, options, casting options. Right, and I was sure. like, oh, it's either going to, it's going to be this, this group of, of kids or those. And um, so we started doing the show, and, you know, we were only open for two months, for, you know, eight weeks. It's not a long time, which, was, which, which says a lot about the show. It says a lot about um, oh, definitely, yeah. the, in, the impact that it had, which is always really flattering. I love hearing from people when they uh, message me and they say, I love Bear, I love... Um, you know, it changed my life. It helped me come out, or you know, I I love hearing that from people. Um, but it was I, I I won't lie, it wasn't it? It was a little bit of a struggle. It was a little bit of like we were, you know, we were um, twenty five years old. I think I was the oldest. I think I was twenty five, um, and I think I think Michael was like twenty two, maybe um, or twenty three. Yeah, I think I was 25. Um, and then, hmm. or no, I guess 24 turning 25. Yeah, and then like Natalie was 24. Uh, but we were, anyway, we were young. And we were, you know, taking on this big, 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 uh, you know, show with these big, heavy themes, you know, overdosing on drugs and suicide. Right. And teen- teenage pregnancy and the Catholic church and rejection of being gay. Um, and heartbreak and, you know, these big themes. And also, if you think about the people involved, you know, you know, everyone wanted to make the best show possible and everyone was really, really, really passionate. And the people who, you know, the L.A. folks had really, it was such a big deal in L.A., the show, that there was a lot of pressure on it to to be uh, even better in New York. And so there was all this comparison to L.A. and the L.A. version and L.A. version. And we were quite snobby, I have to say. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> like, this isn't L.A. Like, we're doing our, like, we're making our own version. Like, let's do our own version. Like, I, I remember having right. such an attitude about, about it. Um, and <laughs> and you can only do so much, you know. So, you know, and, and, and they didn't want to, and, and they didn't want to change their vision from LA, but there was some stuff that didn't, that didn't translate. There was some stuff that didn't translate um, from, for New York audiences, for LA audiences that, that didn't translate to New York audiences. Like for example, the beginning, um, there was like this hallucination dreamlike moment where Peter, Michael Arden's character has this like dreamlike moment of these um 
<clears throat> he's in church and he's praying and then he sees like the, these like the these statues of saints in the church all start to come they're they're made of stone but they start to come alive and like scream at him and attack him and condemn him and this is again the opening number um so <laughs> and then the, the and which is all fair and good that's that's great. So like, that's a great idea. That's a great creative concept. That's great. Let's do it. Awesome. So we tried it, but the problem is we didn't have a budget for special effects and makeup and stuff. So it didn't read. So it looked a little bit like the, the way, it, the way it was staged, like it, it didn't quite, it didn't quite read, you know, like that these statues were coming yeah, to okay. life and condemning Peter. So that was one of those things that was like, we're going to have to cut this, you guys. Let's simplify and let's just have him, you know, we see in his face, the actor, we, we, he can, he can, he can let us know that he's having this nightmare. You know, we don't have to necessarily see these statues come to life. And you're thinking, oh, wow. Why is that person wearing a drape? And why? So there were some things uh, that, that had to change. Um, and but there was some, there were some struggles. There were some struggles dramaturgically. You know, there were some arguments about whether or not you know a, a co-ed Catholic high school would ever a, a co-ed Catholic um, private school. Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Where you get sent away? Um, oh, boarding school. Like? Uh, yeah, boarding school. Yeah, if that exists. Is does that exist? A co-ed Catholic boarding school, does that exist? Right. Um, and and I, I went. I remember going to an agent's office, and she was like, "Listen, I think you're great." She's like, "Has anyone told your author or your you know your, your the book writers and your directors that a co-ed Catholic boarding school would never exist because <laughs> that's just." And, and I was like, oh, well, sure, sure it does. I'm sure, I'm sure it does. She's like, no, she's like, I'm literally a Catholic. And it, it, it does, it, it would never exist. So your show could never exist ever. So you're doing all this stuff for not. <clears throat> so there were a lot of like, there's a lot of stress around, around there, you know, like there's a lot of stress. There was a lot of, like, that was a big change, uh, a big, uh, like we were all kind of like changing careers. We're busting out, um, you know, we were all kind of going in different directions. It, it, you know, after that, I moved to L.A. and started working in TV, kind of like that was, you know, a little bit of like I went back to Hairspray after a while because it was supposed to go to Broadway, and our faces were up on billboards and on buses, and then the money fell through, but the buses and the billboards remained. So I was walking around town all summer, with my face staring back down at me as a reminder of like, <laughs> you're not, you're, you're not going to Broadway. So, oh, you know, that's so sad. That's horrible. So bear, was, <laughs> bear, was a, bear was a really big deal. And I, I also, you know, the, uh, the main thing for me was uh, I, 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 I always, I always fought with, you know, the show vocally. I didn't feel confident with, um, with my with my my voice in the show and there were um there were things I could sing and there were things that I couldn't sing or at least sing the way they wanted me to you know it, again it was a pop opera and you right. know I had been doing 
you know, Hairspray. I have been doing Boy From Oz. I have been doing Miss Saigon. I have been doing a lot of musical theater. Um, and I was a big pop music fan. But there was always just kind of like a disconnect between how the sound was supposed to be. And I think it was supposed to be kind of like a smooth, like Justin Timberlake kind of sound that they wanted that I couldn't quite provide that I always felt uh, freaked out about, you know, I always felt like I couldn't quite like the tone, the tone was a little bit off and I always felt there was like a little tension there in terms of like vocal. So it was, listen, it was a dramatic show and the highest, like the most dramatic show possible. And so you can only imagine the dramatics that went on backstage as well. So that's, I'll leave it at that. There you go. Well, dude, we're getting so close to running out of time. I have so much stuff to talk about. Give me a real quick first impressions. Yeah. Uh, speaking of producer yeah. credit, you sure probably got producer credit on Glee uh, in 2009 because in 2007 you produced that show choir, eight-part docuseries right down the street from me in Morgantown, West Virginia. It's about an hour and a half drive. Did you ever go to the Vice Versa Club while you were out there? Of course I did. Of course I did. I'm of course. so upset. We might have seen each other Versa. and did not know it. My, yeah, uh, wow, my, I didn't, wow. Yeah, vice versa. Yeah, my very good friend is a drag queen, a very popular drag queen out there, and she would go perform there on occasion, and we may have crossed paths out there. So that's very interesting. All right. Well, in three minutes, the oh last thing God. I want to get to is Helvetica, because you have created a character that is absolutely amazing, she does cameos. Um, talk about the impetus and where Helvetica birthed from your loins, my friend. Oh my God. Um, how do I explain it? I mean, I had been in Boy From Mars, so I had always done an, an Australian accent just like uh, in my own head and also to Andy um, around the house. And then one day during the show, I was doing the news, you know, we did the morning show on Sirius XM and right. I was doing, I was doing the news and he kind of, and he was like, he, he dared me to do it in Australian. And then it, and then right around that time, the video of those women, those journalists in Australia fighting about the white jacket. I don't know if you've seen oh, it, right. you Google it, that um, appeared. And so this like journal, this like, you know, middle-aged Australian journalist, you know, like local news reporter character, you know, from Australia kind of appeared um, slowly, (laughs) but surely, you know, just kind of like, she just started kind of reading the news and then, you know, she had this attitude and this character. And then he said, what's your name? And like, I don't know, that morning I had woken up and it was just the first thing on my mind. Uh, That was just the first word that came to my mind so it really wasn't planned or thought out um, uh, then, dude it's freaking hilarious <clears throat> i love it i go and, and thank you i go through i go through periods where I, I really hate it but i really am like um enjoying her now i think she's really she's she's very entertaining to my i, I think she's really funny all right. Well, I have a page and a half left of notes, so you're going to have to come back, John. But uh, we have to wrap this up so I can okay. play these other two interviews. Give everyone your social media where they can follow you and find your fun stories. I enjoy them. 
and uh, we'll go from Thank there. Thank you. Uh, yeah, um, I'm John Arthur Hill on uh, Instagram. That's John with an H, J-O-H-N, Arthur, A-R-T-H-U-R Hill. Uh, and my my Twitter has been suspended. <laughs> my Twitter is like evaporated because I got hacked. So don't worry That's about okay. it. That's okay. Twitter's not there anymore. Give everyone where you're where you're on with Andy Cohen live in the mornings and also yes. the feels. Yeah, the feels Thursdays. Um, I'm live. All the shows are live. So Andy Cohen live Mondays and Wednesdays, um, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific. Uh, the feels is 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific um, on Radio Andy. That's Channel 102 on Sirius XM. And thank you All for right. having well, me. I'm, I've had such a great time talking to you. Thank you so much. It has been my pleasure. I want you to stay on the line. We'll talk off air here, guys. I'm going to play out to a quick song. When we come back, we're going to have Ronaldo Pacheco. He co-starred with Sandra Bullock in Our Brand is Crisis. And so many more. He's doing some great acting classes in L.A. for free through his foundation he formed. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Left to Straight show right here on the Left to Straight radio network. Caught up in the lights, cameras in my face. Where did we go wrong? Why'd you walk away? I know I let you down. Promised I would change. Ain't so simple now. What else can I say? I'm down.
I do happen to know that you share a birthday with Mama Fullerton, my mother, January 24th, a fellow Aquarius. So uh, happy belated birthday to that. But talk a little bit about where you grew up, what kind of a kid were you, and what did you first want to be when you grew up? Right. Um, I, was, I was born and raised in Bolivia, in, in the heart of South America. And initially, I wanted to be uh, an astronaut. I wanted to, I wanted, first, I wanted to be in a circus. Then, then I wanted to uh, <laughs> visit, like be an astronaut uh, and visit other planets. And, and then I realized that I could do everything by being an actor. And I, I, at a very early age, I decided that I wanted to be an actor. And it was hard because back in South America, uh, you know, this is almost 20 years ago, I, being an actor was being like the worst, choosing the worst profession. It was, mm-hmm. it was, they, they, they correlated it to being lazy and drugs and, and just the artist didn't, wasn't really respected at the time um, because art was used for politics a lot. So it was hard. It was hard to, 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 you know, to begin a path of of, of 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 being an actor or an artist back then, and my beginnings were on the streets. I used to do a lot of the theater of the press. I used to work with a lot of gypsies from different parts of South America, Chile, Argentina, that that could bring information because we didn't have uh, an actual school or an actual place where you could go and develop your talent. Wow. Good for you, man, for for just taking it upon yourself to do that, though, and just finding your own tribe down there. I mean, if it's really a passion, I'm sure you you find your tribe almost anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think especially now that we are so connected and we have so much access to information, but back then it was it was a challenge for sure. But I think that also that was that's what gave me so much strength to to face uh, an industry that that it's so competitive like Hollywood because you, we, we were supposed to do our makeup. We were supposed to do our outfits. We were supposed to do even write our own and, 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 and set up our uh, stages. And, and literally uh, it was, it was, it was the, 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 the great, the greatest acting school that I, that I could ask for because you either do it yourself or nobody does it, you know? Right. And that's such a great attitude to have. I love that. Let's kind of go briefly over your career a bit. Start from the beginning. I mean, you had a supporting role in Beginners back in 2010, the amazing Ewan McGregor. And, of course, Christopher Plummer, Sound of Music Man, uh, got an Academy Award-winning performance there. Talk about, was that your first experience on a big American movie, or talk about that for a second? Yeah, that was, um, you know, I, I, I after after I left Bolivia, I, I traveled around for, for a little bit with some theater companies and, and I was in Paris, in Mexico, and then I ended here in, the, in Los Angeles uh, doing my master's in acting uh, at USC. And when I graduated, um, it took me probably like seven months to book my first job. It was an independent movie. We didn't have trailers. We shot this movie in houses, and 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 but it happened to be with Christopher Plummer and begin and, and Ewan McGregor and Melanie Lohan, and. Be, it was beginners. Beginners was my, my beginning. And man, yeah. who would have thought, who would have thought that that movie would become, we didn't even have a, a big premiere or anything. And the movie became 
a huge uh, success. Uh, Christopher Plummer was nominated for an Oscar, and when he got the Oscar, man, my my demo went up, and I, I had all my scenes with him and Ewan McGregor, and that was the key that opened uh, amazing opportunities for me to work with um, Ernest Borgnine in his last movie, uh, June Squibb. Uh, I got to work in fun comedies with Maria Conchita Alonso, Eva Longoria, until finally I, I, I got my breakthrough role in Our Brand is Crisis with uh, Sandra Bullock, Billy Bob Thornton, Anthony Mackie, and, 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 and other great actors that I truly admire. But that was my biggest um, role and, 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 and the first time that I, I get to play a lead uh, in an ensemble cast. Well, you did fantastic. Like I said, off air, that's where I first came across you. Um, I didn't honestly have you on my radar before then, but I love your portrayal in that movie. It does such a good, good team effort from the cast. I mean, Sandra Bullock makes everything look easy, but that uh, there was a lot of scenes, a lot of different locations. How, where all did you have to shoot that at? Um, that movie we shot it in. Puerto Rico, New Orleans, uh, some some scenes in South America, and also uh, the Warner Brothers lot. It was uh, it was so much fun. We we got to work together for like three months, and and for me, uh, it was a dream come true because you know it's a story about Bolivia, and on the same streets where I used to have my street performances with my troops in the in, in the center of the city. We were shooting a, a, a Warner Brothers movie with Sandra Bullock, and it was surreal. Honestly, I had to like pinch myself that, several times. That is fantastic. So cool. So your big, huge national exposure there. Uh, the next year you work on a small little thing with our buddy Sam Pancake with Kick. Uh, we love Sam. He's been on the show before and uh, a great friend of the show. And then uh, I yeah. want to talk a little bit about 2019, you had your movie uh, Fuertes, which you actually executive produced. Did you get a hint or two from Mr. George Clooney on that? Or talk about that experience <laughs> actually being executive producer. Yes, I actually did. Uh, from David Gordon Green and even Sandra, they, you know, I've learned a lot that the most important thing for an actor is to find amazing content, amazing stories. I, 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 when I was shooting down in South America, actually our brand is crisis. I discovered in Bolivia, in my own country, which I left thinking that nothing was going to happen ever in relation to arts. They were doing incredible movies and the value of production was fantastic. The connections that I, I developed here throughout the years, um, I connected uh, investment and I con- connected distribution and 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 that's how Fuertes came to life. Uh, it's it's the first movie that I'm one of the three executive producers. It's about soccer players going to war in the 1930s, and and that movie is already uh, it was in movie theaters before the the the, the, the pandemic, and now it's going to be distributed. Um, it's already it already has distribution, so we'll, we'll we will know soon where it goes. Hopefully Netflix. But it was congratulations. It was a very Thank you. Thank you. No, it was a very empowering experience that you're right. I've learned it from George and from Sandra because that's how they keep continuously working. They, they choose uh, their stories and, and they put all their energy and their thinking into one project 
that they truly believe and they are connected to the story, connected to the character, and and it gives you so much more freedom to a creative freedom. Right, I like that. I love that so much. And as I said in the introductions, you're not just knowledge and using it for your own gain. You're giving back your community. You founded the Hollywood Academy Performing Arts. So I want you to talk about that. Tell me what was the impetus for that. Tell me what the art of thinking is and kind of share the story. I think that's so cool of you to share with other actors like that. And you're doing some amazing work during quarantine Corona too. Thank you. Um, so like, like I said at the beginning of the interview, I didn't have a, an opportunity to study. I didn't have a place to go and learn techniques and, and, and give myself to this craft that back then it was, you know, criticized and, and they, they correlated it to politics and, 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 and propaganda. So one of the, the things that I promised to myself and God was that if I ever had an opportunity, I was going to give back. And we created uh, the Hollywood Academy of Performing Arts with, um, um, you know, people from U- uh, masters from USC and and the University of La Salle in South America. And suddenly we had hundreds of hundreds of students in South America that, that were in the same position that I was, desperate for, you know, a place to go. And HAPA, which is Hollywood Academy of Performing Arts, became uh, their, 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 their training place and we've been working like that for five or six years Uh, we have a studio here in los angeles we have schools in latin america uh we were uh, about to open some in mexico and miami but with the pandemic everything is closed and our programs that we already had before the pandemic were online uh now they are uh, all over the world, we have students uh, in in Europe, in, in Central America, in the, in the United States, and we are uh, giving free classes, man, because you know people are struggling right now with money and and they want to try something new or if they want to just just like have an experience, we are uh, giving free classes with scholarships. Uh, to to have a, a a live class from Los Angeles, California, um, for film and TV. Well, thank you so much for giving back. That is amazing. I mean, that's one thing that we have seen during the pandemic is entertainers such as yourselves really stepping up and either raising funds for a good cause or teaching classes or just get, giving people a laugh or something online and. Thank you for taking your organization and and doing such good for fellow actors. And also talk about your other organization you co-founded, Changing Stories. I love the goal of that to kind of bring uh, different voices to the world. Talk about that organization as well. Yeah, absolutely. The Changing Stories um, is a nonprofit uh, production company that gives voice to the unheard. So anyone that wants to be part of Changing Stories can use their uh, tax money to make little videos and bring awareness. Uh, also, Changing Stories is, you know, uh, part of the – it's the, the backbone of uh, the free classes that we have right now that um, if you want to take those classes, you have to go to hollywoodfreeclass.com, and it's going to direct you to the website. And with the nonprofit class is cool, you're going to be able to have your free class. That is fantastic. Man, good on you, Ronaldo, for doing such great work. I appreciate that. 
what goals do you have for yourself and what goals do you have for these two companies for happen for uh, changing? Well, for now, honestly, it's, it's just to support the community and, and we just want people to take advantage of this, like this free live classes from Los Angeles. We want to ex- expand our community. We want people to know that you, you can study acting from your home or if you don't have the opportunity, like I didn't have it when I started my career, now you can you you you, you can access this information uh, that it's that it's that it's that it's what I use for my for my daily daily craft. And we're we're just so I'm just so grateful, man. So grateful to be alive. There this uh, I, after having the COVID nineteen, I'm just I have a different awareness that. You really have to do what you love, and you really have to take every day with everything, you know, because you never know sure. when it's going to be your last day. Well said, well said. And what is the one thing that you take with you that you've learned on this journey through acting that you really hope to impart upon people that you talk to? What, what has been your biggest lesson navigating Hollywood um, as it is? think that we uh, we as a society are trained to focus too much on the result and 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 getting what we want and and getting to that place and 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 getting the award and getting that amount of money and getting that relationship and getting that and, and we forget about the process and i i would recommend what what helped me in this journey and this super competitive hyper competitive uh, industry is that you, if you enjoy the process, if you focus on, you know, getting better every day, on expanding, on enjoying, on doing what you love, on, on, on taking a step further, so much fun and so much joy, and you, you start trying, uh, you're attracting opportunities and, and experiences that really fulfill you in this, in this journey. That is great advice. And speaking of fulfilling yourself, you look like you're getting ready to get into music a little more. Talk about that journey. It seems as it always been a passion. Yeah. And uh, talk about yeah. this uh, hopefully single we have coming up soon. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it, you know, part of the training as an actor is always singing. And I started doing musicals for a, a good chunk of my career. And when we did the movie with Warner Brothers for uh, Urbanist Crisis, I, 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 ma- I made a song because they knew my talent, a cinematic song. Um, and my PR from there and my team uh, started kind of like planning to, you know, develop music and, and just create. Honestly, that's, that's, that's my main goal, to create. And I, I'm taking some steps towards that career. Um, I just did some... I just did a movie with uh, the number one artist in, in the world, actually, right now, Ozuna, the reggaeton artist, the Taki Taki artist. And all the people in that music, in, in that movie, um, have a foot on, you know, the film industry and also the, the, the music industry. So that's, that's going to be on Netflix pretty soon as well. And, and that world is the one that's helping me to promote this new music that's going to come up after we when we go back to 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 be able to, you know to socialize normal that is fantastic i love all that i mean you're doing this so smartly ronaldo and i really 
just appreciate you taking the time to learn your craft and now working with some great people and taking this advice upon yourself and using it and creating your own projects and, and learning to expand and grow. What do you see for yourself five years down the road? Uh, I would love to to see a repertoire of characters that, you know, represents different different minorities different and when i say minorities i don't say i don't refer to to racial or or sexual orientation or i refer to the minorities of uh, humans and souls that haven't been portrayed yet on the screen i would love i would love i would love to you know be like the nonprofit says become a voice and give voice to those who aren't heard i know it's a very general uh, concept, but that's what inspires me to be an actor to to be able to represent at the time the the the, the, the minority or, or the group that's being oppressed, um, either age, either racial, either it's uh, sexual orientation or a, a, a political or a, or a religious group. I, I would love to to be a voice. To, to something that, that resonates with my with my core beliefs. I appreciate that. Well, Ronaldo, we're running out of time because you are doing a lot of press right now, even during this bu- this slow time in the industry. It's always a busy time for you, my friend. You have so much great work going on. Let everyone know where they can find you. Give again where they can find these free classes. Talk about HAPA and talk about where they can find you on social media, my friend. Absolutely. Um, you guys can find me with my name, Reynaldo Pacheco, R-E-Y-N-A-L-D-O, Pacheco, P-A-C-H-E-C-O. And for the free class, you can go to hollywoodfreeclass.com. And when you go to hollywoodfreeclass.com, you're going to be redirected to the website of the school. And with the code HollywoodFreeClass, you can have your uh, free live class from Los Angeles, California. Um, there are a lot of uh, actors teaching that that class as a give back, and I'm I'm actually teaching you, you know several classes to give back to the community. So so yeah, that's that's how you guys can find us in HollywoodFreeClass.com with the code HollywoodFreeClass or my social media Ronaldo Pacheco. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, Ronaldo. We have to have you back. I had so many questions. We need to deep dive into a lot of this. But you are an absolute amazing person. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, man, thank you so much. What a pleasure. Sending, sending so much love and gratitude. And I hope people get to uh, enjoy what we're doing for, for the community right now. You are doing a fantastic job. And you got to come back and share your music with us when you're ready for that. I appreciate you, my friend. Stay on the line for me. Guys, we're going to go ahead and play out to a little music here, and I'll be back in just a little bit. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network.
America a few years. Gosh, it's been a, more than we want to admit. And became a massage therapist for many years. And then just in the past six, seven years, joined back into the corporate America so that we could do the sales thing to learn a little bit more about marketing, how to promote ourselves and get our database ready for when we did this this little deal. So uh, that, that's, that's me in a nutshell. I love that. And you say you your goal, David, was to have this when you were 17 or 18. When did you first come out to yourself, and uh, how, how did you meet Terry? Well, um, again, growing up in Maine, we had a, a summer uh, beach town called Ogunquit. And as a, a person growing up in Maine, that's where our family would always head to the for summer vacations was Wells Beach, Ogunquit Beach. And a Gunquit Beach is pretty much like P-Town in the summertime from Memorial Day until Labor Day. It, oh. All the boys come from the big cities to hit the beaches in the <laughs> summer. So I, I grew up seeing that and seeing the small bed and breakfast there, and I was like, that's exactly what I want to do when I grow up is, is have my own business and come guys to a safe environment to have fun. That's amazing. And Terry, what about you? How did this become part of your vision? When did you come out to yourself and knew this was something you wanted to do? I came out early, I would say early 20s. Um, so I've always been comfortable with with the, the gay life and, and being gay, even being from the, the deep south where you had to, to be careful with it. But my whole um, deal with the, the gay bed and breakfast thing actually came when David and I got together. And for the the last 20 years, we have made it a almost like a quest that before this would happen. Every time we would take vacations, we tried to stay in different gay bed and breakfasts, make a note of the best practices, make a note of the practices that didn't work quite well, and bring the best of life here. And, um, you know, looking back, there's certain ones that really stand out in your mind. We had one in Key West that it was a large property. I don't understand how the guy did it, but the guy at the front desk knew everyone's name and where they were from. And when new people checked in, he would take you the long way to your room, buy all the amenities to show you, you know, the pool, the hot tub, the where the morning breakfast was. Anybody that was around that area, he would stop and he would go like, oh, hey, this is Terry and David, and they're from Tennessee. And it automatically broke the ice. So these things like that, we want people when they stay here that there's a, there's memorable things that they walk away and go, gosh, that, those guys really do care about us. It's not about just um, a business to us. We we want it to be a, a safe, relaxing, nurturing environment. And so uh, we're hoping the best practices come. But it's I David convinced me a long time ago that he has he has the right business head. So we follow that. I love that, Terry. And, David, what made you guys uh, choose Gatlinburg there, Tennessee, and how did you find the property? i got to admit, we probably ended up here by default. Um, <laughs> we actually we actually lived um, not too far from here in Abingdon, Virginia, um, and Bristol, Tennessee area. Uh, Terry's career move brought us up there in, I guess, 2014. Um, We left Atlanta, the big city, and moved up into the country. And while we were up there, we bought a piece of property that 
we thought would be absolutely perfect to do this business on, and we met with, I don't know what you want to say, problems when we were meeting with the city planners and different things to get mm. this type of a business up and running up in that area that we sold the property we had. We became frustrated, and we took about six months off, and we started looking again. The property that we actually bought is not a property that I even remotely wanted to look at. Um, this is a property that Terry found, and pretty much to be nice to him, it's like, okay, well, let's go look at it. And the minute <laughs> we pulled into the driveway, curiosity, and when we walked into the front door, I told the realtor, we're done. This, we found the right place. And, and again, it's pretty much, luckily, Terry found it on realtor.com and um, convinced me that we needed to look at it, and here we are. That's amazing. And Terry, was it the same for you, Love at First Sight? How long have you guys been there now? We, we, it was Love at First Sight for me. We started, we moved here 2016. Yeah. Uh, we moved in in July, and then the um, the Great Smoky Mountain fires came through in November. Um, we were spared barely. Um, it came within the foot of the house at all four sides. And so that was a sign that we'd made the right decision. But, um, being the analytical one, whenever we decided we, we wanted to explore other options in the Bristol area, I had a spreadsheet that had a triangle that pretty much covered everything in the south. And uh, so we had planned on coming here for a day in the Gatlinburg area just to, to see some sites. He had one he already wanted. We walked into the, the – we actually pulled up into the driveway, and it was like, no, that's not it. So I'm glad he gave me the – a little benefit of the doubt because the property here the description that they had and the pictures they had didn't go together and i just wanted to see what the disconnect was and mm. luckily the disconnect was the realtor didn't know how to take pictures so we were thankful <laughs> nice i like it well that is amazing and so now we're a year into it i love the intimacy of it you have four private rooms they can be rented individually or for group functions like weddings and such. David, describe the rooms to my listeners. All right. Well, uh, we have three rooms with king beds, one room with two queen beds. All rooms have private bath, tiled showers, um, private patio area. And then they all come out into the great room where we serve breakfast. So have their privacy to get away with everything that they need and then they can open the door come out into the great room and socialize with the rest of the guests that's fantastic and terry talk about the meals i understand you guys have like a continental breakfast you serve most mornings an occasional hot meal and even a barbecue for the guests to use talk about uh meals and uh is there good eats around that area too when they want to go out and explore a little bit that's yeah we and we've been um playing around different uh, options with the menu. So we've gone to Saturday morning being an actual hot breakfast. It's usually some kind of uh, breakfast casserole that David's cooked up, seasonal fruit, um, yogurt, and that kind of thing. And then it's more continental grab-and-go during the week. And the reason that we are we do more of the continental thing, um, downtown Gatlinburg has some incredible restaurants. And we found that we're competing with them, but we also found that we have guests that have come to this area for years and they have their certain favorites they felt guilty if they didn't eat breakfast with us but they really wanted to go down to crockett's pancake or crockett's breakfast camp or ruby sunshine uh, okay. 
uh, New Orleans version brunch kind of thing. So they were torn. So now that we have the grab and go, it's great. You can get like um, we, everything's individually wrapped as far as protein bars um, and biscotti, yogurt, fruit, um, and take it with you. So after breakfast, if you go to one of the, we've got areas of hiking, incredible amusements and attractions. So you've got some snacks you can take with you for later on, and you don't hurt our feelings by not having breakfast with us. Um, because I personally would be the same way. I would either be at Log Cabin um, for their pancakes or Ruby Sunshine's for their incredible twist. Um, New Orleans-style Eggs Benedict is beyond belief. Oh, you had me at Eggs Benedict. That's my favorite meal. I uh, love that. Very, very nice. And, David, do you guys live on property, or does someone have to get their happy butt up there early to lay out the breakfast and everything? No, all we have to do is roll out of bed and into the kitchen. Um, it's required in the city of Gatlinburg to be a bed and breakfast that the owners live on property. In order to get our licensing and our permits, we did everything required by the city so that we don't have any issues with the town because they were so welcoming and so easy to work with. They laid out the rules of what was required and we met every one of them and they've been just great to work with. So. Our bedroom is right off the kitchen, and that's where we spend most of our time um, in between guests. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. And, Terry, talk about other activities. I think you guys have a hot tub, I believe. There's a fire pit out there, occasional happy hours and barbecues. Talk about different things that the guests enjoy doing while they're there, besides just relaxing away from it all. Well, we do have a a six-man hot tub, and um, one of the nice things from that – New Year's Eve and July 4th both are firework times here in Gatlinburg. And from the hot tub, you can see the fireworks, so you don't have to go down and get into the mess. But the the good thing is we're only three-tenths of a mile from the main street. Uh, it is a little bit of a hike because we're on a hill, but um, we have guests that when they park, they park their car and they never move it again. So there's um, the hot tub's always a, a good meeting place in the evening just to, to relax the fire pit. Other than about two months a year when it's it's really warm, the fire pit goes every month of, of the year. We've got a huge patio that tends to be the congregation point for everyone, uh, both for breakfast mm-hmm. in the morning, cocktails in the afternoons. Um, even on the weekends that we're not doing anything special, um, the guys always seem to find um, a way to bring the, the, the bars and the cocktails here. Because so, every room's got a mini fridge and, and a um, ice or a freezer area, so it it works well with that. Gallenberg's known for its moonshine tasting, and last check, I think we have like a half a dozen moonshine, a half a dozen wine tastings, and a hard cider. Um, so there's a lot to if you run out of your your favorite adult beverage, we've got plenty of options here uh, that to the local people. Yeehaw, I may never make it back up the hill. I'm a little afraid there. i got to be honest. But <laughs> well, the, good, and the good thing with that, you have David's number. Just text him, and he'll come down to the bottom of the hill and, and, and bring you back. Um, that has happened before. I so like it. <laughs> Definite full service. I like that a lot. And, David, I mean, we know COVID's canceling so many things this year. You guys, uh, I know Knoxville Pride, at least. I don't know what the closest year. I know Knoxville Pride is canceled. Um, what do you know, anything, have you guys been able to kind of get on your radar, what's going to be open and what things are canceled this year? Uh, yes, they, uh, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park 
opened Saturday, and they opened it with, they want to call it limited availability. And what that means is some of the trailheads are open, some of them aren't. They're giving it as sort of a test for social distancing and everything. But they do plan to open more about every two weeks. Uh, along with the welcome okay. centers and the and the restroom facilities, and that is a huge draw up here. Cologne is 11 to 12 million visitors per year. So we're the wow. gateway to the Smoky Mountains. Right at the end of our street is practically the entrance to the park. So that's a huge draw up here. Um, Dollywood is probably the second major draw for this area. She has not, um, excuse me, she has not yet announced officially when she plans to open but through the rumor mill we hear it probably the first of june and they're working with um some representatives in the health uh industry because they want to do it right and not have any problems when they do open It, it probably will be limited um capacity compared to what it used to be until there's you know a vaccine found then the dinner shows in the area look like they plan to open the 1st of June as well. Other than that, most everything is open. And as far as restaurants, there's limited to social distancing. So the town is up and running, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville. Everything pretty much came back to life this past week. And we could talk rates and services. The rates are all on the website. Very comparable for an evening out overnight anywhere. Um, They can look up the website for those. I thought they were very, very reasonable. You guys have laundry services. You have Wi-Fi, um, ironing board if you want a hot night out in the town and looking nice and sharp. <laughs> now, there is a small membership fee, but that's good for a year. Is that right, um, Terry? Yeah, that is correct. It's $10 a year. It starts your first night here. And the reason that we had to go with that for the state of Tennessee so that we could make it an adult male-only establishment so by, we'd have to okay. become private membership. So now that we're a private membership and your $10 is good for the cal- not the calendar year, but 12 months, um, it allows us to be in legal terms with the t- state of Tennessee and Gatlinburg looks after us. So we're, we're real pleased. So I've got to just plug this area one more time. Uh, I know David did a little earlier, but uh, being in e- moving into East Tennessee, there's all kind of stories that you hear about the hillbillies and, and all, but we've got to say the city of Gatlinburg, the county of Sevier, and the state of Tennessee has been incredible to work with. We sat down with the planning commissioners at the very beginning and laid out with exactly what we wanted because um, we wanted to, before we did everything here, that make sure that we were legal. And they were, as long as we're up to code, they're fine. We've actually had um, the local police that sits outside of our gate to do his paperwork at night. And he asked, was that okay to do? And we're like, yeah, we're fine. Um, and you actually can come on in if you wanted to. So we're, the town knows about us, and they're, and they're happy that we're here. We've had nothing but incredible support from other small businesses, uh, from a local brewery um, to a, a, a beard make a beard oil company. Some really cool cool people that have embraced us that is fantastic to hear well it sounds like you really went about this right you have an amazing facility it's nice that it's only four rooms so it keeps you even if they start to to stay strict it keeps you under 50 people for gathering which is nice so that's very good you guys planned this out really really smart without even knowing what was coming up here 
You've been at it a year now, David. What's the, give me a story. What's the most unusual thing that's happened or the funniest thing that's happened in the past year? Two, two different notes on that. One thing that was a goal of mine was I wanted to have an international traveler stay with us within our first year of business. And believe it or not, we had a gentleman come from Italy for the sole purpose of going to Dollywood. He flew in on a Friday, did Dollywood on Saturday, and flew back out Sunday morning. So I thought that was incredible that Dollywood has that much of a draw. And then I'm going to let Terry tell you one of our bear stories of a gentleman in the hot tub, because I think that's probably one of the funniest (laughs) stories. Okay, Terry, what's up with that? Because our our backyard backs up, it actually starts the the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. You see all kinds of things in the backyard, but bears are probably the number one thing that that you see the most of and people come to see the most of. And we had a, um, a gentleman who enjoyed the hot tub, but he didn't want the jets on. So we've got a, a mechanical top that keeps the the bears out of the hot tub. And uh, I don't think the bears had even ever been out here and seen the hot tub up, but he had the roof up. He was laying in there just soaking in the warm water. He had fallen asleep, and one of the bears started coming up. Well, it was so quiet. The bear just kept coming. Well, his partner ran out from the the great room and was yelling his name, and the guy was so asleep he didn't hear it until about the third time. Well, by the time the guy heard his name, the bear was right in, at, in the center of where the hot tub side was. <laughs> The guy sat up and looked at the bear. The bear was eye to eye with him. He took, I think, two steps from the hot tub to get into the hot tub. The bear jumped backwards. I've never seen a bear move like that. She moved backwards and ran out. We have a couple of breaks in the fence that they just for the bears to come and go in case they get spooked. She went through one of the, the little gates and came out on the other side, and all you could see was about from her shoulders up, peeking around like, what in the world was that? So uh, <laughs> it, it was scary at the time because we're like, oh, gosh, this is going to be our first incidence with a bear. And it was like, no, they're they're curious. They're not evil or mean. They're just most of the times if you clap right. really loud, they, they leave. But that's the closest I think a guest ever got to, to one of the, the bears, and the bears got to the guest. It was quite funny afterwards. <laughs> I bet afterwards, definitely. That's very hilarious. I love that. And David, what's been your proudest moment besides international traveler? What's been your proudest moment since opening there? I I think it's the wedding that we had here on New Year's Eve. We had had a uh, the guys came earlier in the year, enjoyed the lodge so much. They enjoyed their weekend so much and everything that. I guess it was in the fall that um, we learned they were getting married and we were talking with them and, and we said, you probably have your wedding already planned. You already know the venue where you're going to have it. We would just like to put this idea out to you. If you would want to, we would love to host your wedding in the great room here at the lodge. And they both smiled and they said definitely. And they had even thought about that, but hadn't even to have them here with their friends one of the guy's parents came as well, and it was just such a warm, fun evening to actually host a wedding here in the lodge that it, that memory means a lot to me. That's amazing. I love that. And, Terry, since this has been David's dream from a real long time now, what's 
been your fondest memory or proudest memory just watching David soaking this all in? I think it, it goes way before we even had our first guest here. When he got the certificate of occupancy and when he opened it, the look on, on his face and in his eyes when he looked and realized this just happened. <laughs> I love it. Very, very cool. So you're planning on opening back up Memorial Day weekend just a few short weeks from now here. You were year-round before. You were planning on going back year-round. Do you kind of like the break to, to get things dolled up each year? or What, do you, what kind of schedule do you think you're going back to, David? We're definitely going back to year-round. It has been nice to have a break, but we miss having people here. I mean, this house comes to life when there's people here, and there's nothing I guess more rewarding or more fun for me Saturday or Sunday morning when we've got breakfast out, we've got the hot coffee out, guys are coming out of their room, they're all mingling in the in the great room, laughing, telling stories, and Terry and I are just around observing it all and, and joining in. It, it just it it's so much fun that yeah, we'll we'll be here year round. And Terry, tell the thing that I love about it is just to show what kind of proprietors you are and how you try to make this an intimate experience. You guys don't even take online reservations. They need to call and talk to you in person to make reservations. I think that's just such an extra step that goes above and beyond a nameless uh, internet reservation. Talk about that for a second and how they can give you a, a call to reserve a room. Okay, perfect. We, um, we had toyed with the idea of doing online reservations, but we just feel better talking ahead of time. Plus, we've had a couple of um, families and women call and want to book rooms for whatever reason. So it's a good way to, to vet out the person who's on the phone, answer their questions, and make sure that we're getting uh, adult males in here. Um, the best way, and and even if you have, not even just for reservations, but any questions you have, to give David a call. Um, his number is 865-973-7942. Um, that's also on the website. He is always available to answer any questions. Or um, what we typically do is we, uh, at the time that you're making the reservation, it's one night uh, of your stay deposit along with the, the membership to, to get that out of the way, and then the balance of your stay once you get here. But that's just a way that we can talk. You can kind of get to know us right away, too. We've had guys, there's no stupid questions. We've had all kinds of questions asked. And, uh, We'll David will be just as point blank and honest as he can, so uh, that way puts you in the comfortable zone before you even get here. Very good. And David, tell everyone what the website is and where they can find you on social. Follow you that way to hear what's going on. All right. Uh, the website is www.parkridgelodge.com, and I'm going to let the junior innkeeper, Terry, answer the rest of them because he's our social media guy. Gotcha. We're also we're also on Instagram and Twitter at Park Ridge Lodge. So uh, I invite people to to check out our Facebook page. Um, that's probably the best for uh, keeping up to date. There's a lot of pictures we, we try to keep posted of what's going on and happening here and around town. And uh, just to keep you up to date with both the Lodge and Gatlinburg, and then it, it kind of just blends over to the to our Instagram and to um, Twitter. But Facebook is definitely a, a good place to start. 
uh, and not just like it, follow it so that you can keep updated with, with what's opening, what concerts are going on, and all the good stuff. That sounds fantastic. Well, I'm going to put a link to it on my website as well, and hopefully uh, when I do my big gay road trip this summer, I'll be able to stop through on the way back. Uh, David, what else would you like the listeners to know about the lodge that I might not have covered here? Anything? Just our convenience to downtown Gatlinburg. As Terry said, we're in a mountain town, so we're on a hill. It's an easy 10-minute walk down to town. It might be a little, maybe a 20-minute walk uphill to get back, but the location of where we are is incredible to be this close to downtown, this close to the parkway, all the great shops, restaurants, the moonshine tastings and everything is 15 minutes away from the lodge. There you go. And Terry, anything that the the senior innkeeper forgot to mention you want to make sure the <laughs> listeners know about? I guess not. I think he's, he, you guys have covered it. David, or the senior did point out, we forgot to mention that we have a pretty nice view here. Uh, especially from patios two and three, you can see Mount LeConte, which is the tallest mountain in this part of Tennessee. And it's forever getting a little dusting with, with snow. So it's nice to be down here and, and be in shorts and a tank shirt and look up and see a little dusting on the, the tops of the mountains. Very, very nice. Well, guys, this has been my absolute pleasure learning about the Park Ridge Lodge in beautiful Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Gentlemen, here's to an amazing season. Thanks so much for coming on the Left of Straight Show today. Thank you for, for inviting us, and we look forward to seeing you um, sometime, hopefully, at the end of summer in August. You guys. Thanks. Thank you, David. All right. We're going to do a very special uh, five questions with David and Terry, so be on the lookout for that. And be sure to check out their website. It's an amazing, amazing experience, guys. I'm, I'm looking forward to visiting there myself. We'll be back after the song. You're listening to the Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Hey, guys, we don't have time for a song. Thanks so much for tuning in today. A big thanks to my guest, Enoch Miller, the empress of WeHo, for doing our Hollywood Minute, John Hill from Radio Andy, Ronaldo Pacheco, amazing actor, and, of course, to David and Terry from Park Ridge Lodge, Stay tuned tomorrow. We're going to have two amazing guests. We have Ryan Carnes from Desperate Housewives General Hospital and Peter Page from Queer as Folk, The Fosters, and That Thing About Harry. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.